um, we are going to talk about uh, Jesus's uh, triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. Um, that day that for us, with as children of God, as the church, marks what we call Holy Week or Passion Week. We call it Passion Week because it's the passion that Jesus had for us um, that drove him to that week, uh, which would um, take him back and forth from Bethany and uh, into the temple and uh, before Pilate and to the cross and uh, ultimately with the good news that we will celebrate next Sunday, the resurrection. Um, and I have a little thing that I've been trying to do um, over the last number of years. I'm doing my level best to not refer to next Sunday as Easter. Um, I want to refer to it as Resurrection Sunday. I want to call it what it is, why we celebrate. We don't come to celebrate Easter. We come to celebrate the risen Lord. Amen? Amen. So we are going to be doing that... Uh, week. We've talked about Good Friday, and we'll be meeting Wednesday night for prayer, and our focus will be on Jesus. We were sharing this morning that about the difference between joy and happiness, and um, the scriptures tell us that it was for uh, joy that Jesus went to the cross. Um, I don't have joy in going to the dentist. Um, Abby, if you're here, I'm Sorry. Um, but I don't have uh, joy necessarily going to the dentist, but Jesus was going to the cross, and he was joy for you, for your salvation that drove him there, that he willingly uh, entered into that, um, that event, uh, that saving event for us. So we are going to focus on his triumphal entry. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 21. So if you have your script, copy of the scriptures, I invite you to, to open up to Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. And as I was thinking about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and all the people uh, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were waiting for him, traveling with him. In fact, the scriptures give us the picture that there was a group of people, a crowd of people that traveled with Jesus from Bethany where Jesus was staying two miles into Jerusalem, down into the Kidron Valley, up the other side, and they were in that whole possession praising God and, and uh, singing Hosanna. It wasn't just as he entered the gates of Jerusalem that all this started, but there was a crowd that traveled with him, uh, ushering in the, the king into uh, Jerusalem. And their desire at that point was to uh, think that Jesus was going to take over things now. He was going to defeat the enemy and take the uh, throne of David back and sit on it and rule uh, God's kingdom, the, the people of, of Israel. And as I thought about all of that, I was drawn back to, to a, being a kid. And I had a great privilege as a, as a grade schooler and into my high school years is that I lived three and a half miles from Disneyland. And uh, yeah, I know. 
and down the street from the guy who was Mickey Mouse. So I was, I was set when I was growing up. In fact, I remember, and, and this may seem a little bit out of hand, but I remember going to Disneyland three or four times in the course of the year. Of course, it only cost five bucks to get in, you know, and you could enjoy all the things that Disneyland had to offer. But one of the things that even as our, our kids grew up, one of the things when we went to Disneyland, or maybe when you go to Disney World, I've never been there, but I'm assuming there's a lot of the things are the same, is that they had these grand parades throughout the day. Um, they had an electric light parade that would happen at night and all sorts of uh, sparkle and lights and everything. And about 45 minutes before the parade would start, people would start lining the street, wanting to get a good sight, a good uh, sight of what's going on. And often there were, um, on these sidewalks, uh, I would say five or six people deep. And if you were in the back of it, you were, you know, straining to see what was going to come down uh, the, the road. And uh, dads had little kids on their shoulders, and people were hanging from the streetlights, and everybody wanted to witness this great parade. And as they would see it coming down the street, there was already the oohs and ahs and wonderment of what uh, Disney could pull off again. People clapped and they shouted and they sang. It was uh, an amazing event. And then the last uh, float or band, uh, a group of characters would go down and the people would uh, filter back off into the very parts of Disneyland, no longer standing in the streets, no longer uh, ooing and aahing, but uh, back to uh, experiencing Disneyland um, and all it has to offer. And I thought about that when I thought about Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem, people lining the streets, waiting for him to come. There was news that already traveled up, I'm sure, up that, up that valley, and uh, that Jesus is coming. He's coming into the city, and people were standing on the roadside, craning their necks, waiting for this Messiah, the Messiah, to walk by them, waving palm branches, throwing their cloaks on the ground, all of those things showing kingly Honor. That's what they would do when the victorious king entered the city. There was the waving of palm branches. There was the taking off of cloaks and laying them on the ground, lest the, the horse of the king would touch the ground and dirty itself. All honor and glory was given to the victorious king. And, and that is what's taking place um, on this day we refer to as Palm Sunday. I'd like to read it for you from the scriptures Verse uh, chapter 21, and now they drew, they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethage, which is, it means the house of the figs, and to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, um, 
You shall say, what are you doing? Say, the Lord has needs of them, need of them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what the prophet, who was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, remember Zion is another word for Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So Jeremiah, uh, centuries before, has uh, spoken of this day, and no doubt in some of the people's uh, minds, this verse um, is recalled as they see Jesus riding on this foal into the city of Jerusalem. And the the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put, uh, put uh, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Now, this was, I often find humor in the scriptures, and this is one of those that kind of caught me off guard. It says, and he sat on them. And of course, in my little mind, it meant that he sat on the donkey and the colt. And I was wondering how he did that at the same time. But then I read a biblical scholar that cleared things up for me. He sat on them, that is referring to the cloaks, not the donkey. So he rode only one of them at the time, and I'm glad I got that cleared up for me. My life has been forever changed. And the crowd that went before him, see this crowd is moving with him. There's a crowd that goes before him, and those that followed him were shouting what we sang today, Hosanna to the son of David. That is, they knew, they saw him as that promised Messiah, the king that would take back uh, the nation of Israel from those who are ruling over it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, in our New Testament, that is uh, translated with a capital L and uh, small letters. But I'm sure that uh, this word Lord, if you have a bunch of uh, Jews saying this, and if they're quoting the scriptures, they they were referring to Yahweh, the I am. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the I am. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they were saying, who is this? Now, that grabbed me again. Don't you think by now they understand who this is? But there are people there who did not know Jesus. Um, Hundreds of people would come for Passover every year. And there were people in the city of Jerusalem staying there that had never met Jesus. They had never seen his miracle. They may have heard his story, but they really didn't know who he was. They didn't recognize him. And so the people tell those who are asking the question, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They don't mention that he's the Messiah. They don't mention anything about him, but they said, this is the one essentially that you have heard about, this prophet Jesus from Galilee. So all of this is happening. There is this great entry into the city of Jerusalem with much hubbub. He comes in, uh, though not as one who will Uh, rule and reign and take over Rome so Israel can be free, but he comes in as the Savior. 
But Jesus is not finished entering. He enters another place that day. Verse 12 says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. You see, what happened in the temple is there was um, numerous areas that were built into the temple structure. And one of them was an outside court kind of inside the walls, but not into the place that they did the sacrifices. It was a place where uh, Gentiles could enter. You see, the Gentiles weren't allowed to go any farther than that, but they could enter this court. Well, in this court, uh, commerce was taking place. And in reality, with what was taking place in Israel at the time, um, I just saw that flash up on the screen and I thought, well, we start to sing. Um, but, but anyway, uh, and you don't want to hear me start to sing. So, um, but the commerce took place that was needed at the time. You see, um, the coins that most people used throughout Israel was the denarius, and it had on it uh, blasphemous uh, symbols and signs to the Jewish people. And they wouldn't want that blasphemous money used in the temple. So they would come to the money changers who would take their denarius and turn it into a tyree, which was accepted in the temple as an offering. So these guys were performing a needed uh, offer, a needed business they were providing for the people. The problem was is that they were charging lots of money to make the change. And they were getting rich on the sacrifices of others. People were bringing their hard-earned money into the temple. These are not rich people. These are everyday people. They had to scrimp and save in order to bring that offering into the temple. And some of them have traveled... um, maybe even a hundred miles or more to get to Jerusalem. And they needed to bring sacrifices for the Passover. But they could not carry all those sacrifices with them on that journey, so they would buy the sacrifices there in the court that they would use throughout um, the week. When uh, Linda and I went to Israel, um, we crossed the border into Jordan, Uh, We went to Petra, and then we spent the night in Amman, and a nice hotel, and we looked out in the window early the next morning, and there's a big dirt lot, like a parking lot. It was quite big, and in the middle of this dirt lot was this... um, Well, it's a scaffolding. It's a contraption, I guess I would call it. And what there was hanging from this scaffolding by its hind feet was um, a goat. Could have been a 
lamb, but pretty sure it looked like a goat to these untrained eyes. And I just kept watching and wondering, what are they doing with this poor animal hanging from this scaffolding? And people gathered around. And then I saw people out on the street begin to drive their cars up. And they would walk across the dirt. And they would go up to the scaffolding. And when they got there, there was some kind of exchange going on. And someone would take a large knife and... Well, killed the goat, I guess. And this became, we didn't know at that time, but it was a sacrifice for Ramadan that was taking place at the same time. And like you go to the supermarket, they had to go to this um, one who sacrificed uh, the animal they could take home and use for their feasts and their celebrations throughout it. Well, the same was true for the children of Israel. They needed to go and get the animal. And so inside these outer courts, all of this commerce is taking place. But what Jesus is upset about is that that place was not to be the place of commerce. That was to be the place of prayer. He wasn't against the commerce. If that would have taken place outside the temple precincts, Jesus wouldn't have had a problem with it. That was a needed thing that needed to take place. But the fact that it was taking place inside the temple precincts is what got Jesus upset. And even more, um, the Gentiles who came, those Gentile believers who came to worship and to pray, this commerce was taking place in the midst of the place where they came to pray. And so when Jesus says and quotes the Old Testament, when he says, uh, my house, Lord speaking, my house shall be called a house of prayer that was taken away from the Gentiles. They were in fact... uh, robbed by this den of robbers. They couldn't enter into prayer. They couldn't enter into um, their worship. And so Jesus throws them all out. And the blind and the lame came to him, verse 14, into the temple and read your Old Testament, you would find, um, I believe it's in Exodus, where um, Moses is told um, that the lame and the blind really could not enter into the temple to worship. They were at that time seen as those who were unclean. And the Jews have always held to that, especially to the religious leaders of the day, that blind person, those lame people weren't supposed to be in the temple, but I wonder if they got caught up in the Hosanna, if they got caught up with the crowd to Jesus and they laid aside um, protocol and entered into the temple. Jesus did what he so often did. He healed them. 
But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and again, the children, like here this morning, crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. They were upset. They were mad. They were furious. Who is this who is trampling their traditions? And they say to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? Meaning the children. And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. He's quoting from uh, Psalm 8 at that point. And then we're told in verse 17, and leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Bethany would be his home for the week of Passover. Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem and the people thought that he would be that new king, that he would reestablish Israel's religion, that they could celebrate fully. But I don't think that they were quite ready for this one that they claimed as king, as those in the line of David, to come into the temple and begin to cause quite the disturbance. Jesus was coming as king, but his kingdom was going to be radically different than they thought it should be. The cross is proof of that. They were thinking of someone who would uh, slay the Romans. He was coming to be the savior who would be slain. Jesus Jesus' concept of what it is to be in the kingdom and what it is to follow him and, and who he is is radically different than the thought of the people of that day and maybe even radically different than our thoughts. Sometimes we get to the point where we think that Jesus exists for us that he is to do our bidding. But truth is, we were created for him. He saved us, yes, he forgave us of our sins by his sacrificial atoning death on the cross. Yes, he did that. And he brought us to our, himself, and he loves us, but we are also saved for him. When we get to heaven someday, it's not going to be you on the throne. It's going to be God on the throne. And it's to him that we will sing. It's to him that we will give glory. Let me just wrap up with this thought. Maybe a challenge for us this week. 
The New Testament tells us that as we follow Jesus, as we surrender our lives to him, The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, and we become the temple of the Lord, individually and corporately. We are the temple of the Lord. We are his dwelling place. As nice as this sanctuary is, this is in reality, not the dwelling place of the Lord. You, we, are the dwelling place of the Lord. That is why it's so critical for us to get together with brothers and sisters. For when two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. Why? Because the temple is being pieced together of which Christ is the cornerstone. We are the temple of God, the dwelling place of God. And therefore, we are the place of prayer. Prayer happens not just from us, but in us. It should be a constant communication with God. Just as the smoke always rose from the temple to speak of God's presence And as a sign of prayers of the people rising before him, smoke should always be coming from us. The corporate body of Christ and us as individuals, that we are the house of prayer. So the question I I have for myself and for you How much does your temple, this temple, need to be cleansed by Jesus? What tables does he need to overturn in my life? What things does he need to kick out so that this temple can be a place of prayer, a place of the dwelling of God? What commerce am I filling myself with that takes away the opportunity for me to pray, to be a place of prayer? So this week, during this Passion Week, this Holy Week, I have a challenge for you to work at making the temple of God individually and corporately, a place of prayer? Will you seek in all that you do to have that smoke of the rising prayers emanating from you all week long, whether you're at school or out on the farm, working in your offices or working at home, wherever you happen to be, that you would say, I am a place of prayer. I am in communion with God. And let the events of your life, let the events of your week, no matter how meaning, uh, um, help me here, uh, small they may seem to be, menial, that was the word I was looking for, They seem to be. 
use them as an impetus for prayer. Linda once told me um, a story of a lady um, who was always living in the act of prayer. And as she was polishing the doorknobs, she would say, Lord, polish me. And you're washing the dishes. Lord, wash me. As we're meeting with people in the market, at the coffee shop, in the hallways at school, Lord, shine through me. And so that's my Holy Week challenge for you. Be a place of prayer. Don't just pray, but be that place of prayer. As people meet you, they encounter the living God. And that may mean that starting today, you need to open yourself to the work of Christ in you to kick out that which... uh, occupies that space that was meant for prayer. And I don't know what that is in your life, but we all have money changers in the temple. So that's my challenge. Challenge to me as well. There are all sorts of sellers of doves running around inside me, grabbing my attention. I need the little children to come and say, um, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. There we go. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda. M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.